What's really good and welcome back to another episode of the Sanchez Show. I'm your host, Eric Sanchez, aka Legend in Two Games. Make sure you follow me across all social media platforms. Legend in Two Games completely spelled out. Shoot me a like, shoot me a comment. As I always say, I open up the platform for any great sports debates. I apologize, man. We haven't really put out a individual solo podcast on this platform. A lot of it's been the collabs, the opinionated ones. Obviously, collaboration, real fans, real talk. But today... Wednesday, March 23rd, I felt I had to come to you guys by myself on this one, man, because I thought I was going to have a calm and relaxing Wednesday afternoon. It's rainy here on the East Coast. Thought I was going to get to sit back and catch up on some shows I haven't been watching. And then the NFL struck again. So I had to give you guys my opinions and, and thoughts on what's going on right now. We saw two major moves again this week in the NFL. I don't think we're done. We're going to get into all that. Before we do, though. As I mentioned about collaboration episodes, tomorrow, Real Fans Real Talk has the episode that we just recorded this past Sunday. So any sports news that took place up until Sunday, you're going to hear us talk about. It's uh, Trip Young, Will Gordon, and myself. We got into a lot of NFL free agency as well as a little bit of NBA talk now that we're within the last 10 games of the NBA season. So definitely check that out. But this episode today is all about what's taking place over the last 72 hours in the NFL. As I mentioned, oh, oh, one other thing as well. As I mentioned, on Real Fans Real Talk, got an interview with Big Gene Deal going up. The numbers are going crazy. I appreciate the support on that. You guys get a chance. Check it out. I think you're going to love it. Also, shooting the shit. We dropped some episodes that are classics over there. I've been busy, man. That's why I haven't had the opportunity to come to you guys by myself on the Sanchez Show. That's going to start changing, though, man. We, we figured some things out. So more content on the way, starting with today. As I mentioned, I thought it was going to be a calm day, man. I was preparing to come to you guys at some point over the next day or two with my reaction to Matt Ryan going to the Colts. We got to get into that. Obviously, a little biased, but I wanted to take some time. I didn't want to get right on the news on that because I wanted to kind of see if we would get a Baker Mayfield trade, which we have not, if we would get a Jimmy G deal or trade, which we have not. So I was trying to wait to see if the Colts were possibly the, the biggest winner of free agency when it came to quarterbacks now on the surface and we're going to start there because there's another big story that start that happened today with Tyreek Hill that we got to give our opinions on but Matt Ryan I'm going to start there that that took place on Monday and here's why I think the Colts won in such a major way they only had to give up a third round pick for a team that's ready made to go to the playoffs for a team that has all the pieces in place except for a competent quarterback we're not talking all pro quarterback because they don't need that they shown that they can win with just competent quarterback play. Two years ago, 40-year-old Phillip Rivers, arm was already shot. They won 11 games. They had an opportunity to win a playoff game in Buffalo. They lost uh, 27-24, I believe, the final score. I remember them losing by a field goal, so I think it was 27-24. Last year, with the struggles of Carson Wentz, they still won nine games. They were 9-6 and six heading into the last two weeks of the season and only needed to find a way to win one of those games. Carson Wentz did not play well in either one of those games. Now, is Matt Ryan the MVP from 2016? No. he Of course he's falling off a little bit. He's 37 years old now. But he's not a bum. He's got a lot of game left. And when I look at what he was doing in Atlanta in comparison to what Wentz was doing with the Colts, I think Matt Ryan is at least two levels better than Carson Wentz. And when you consider that the Colts came into this offseason with a lot of cap space and there was a lot of speculation, which direction would they go? The initial targets were always 
thought to be Jimmy G, possibly Kirk Cousins. Would they entertain a trade? Could Derek Carr be the guy if he were to move on from Vegas as he's heading into the last year of his deal? But I don't think the Colts were ever in play for Russell Wilson. I, I just, they didn't have the draft capital. No first round pick this year. Uh, Chris Ballard historically has always said he doesn't want to overpay in trades for guys that are over 30 years old. Russell Wilson at 31, it wasn't going to happen. Aaron Rodgers wasn't coming to the Colts. And then obviously, you know, it became apparent once he decided to re-up with, with Green Bay. But I don't think Aaron Rodgers and the Colts were ever a, a real thing. Deshaun Watson was never a real thing. There are rumors and, and reports that the Colts did speak to the Texans and try to do their due diligence about possibly getting him. But I don't think those conversations were ever serious in any way, shape, or form. You got to remember, they're in the same division. The price tag for Deshaun Watson was going to be too high. And the Texans got three first-round picks from Cleveland for Deshaun Watson. I think they would have held out to try to get even more from the Colts because they are a division rival. And, and they weren't going to want to see Deshaun in their division as well for the next 10 years. At 26, 27 years old, you don't want to see that guy coming back haunting you. Despite all the off-the-field stuff, his performance on the field is unquestioned. We know how great he is on the field. They were not going to want to see that guy twice a year and have him haunt their division for the next 10 years. So he was never in play. So realistically, the options always were the same. Jimmy G, maybe Kirk Cousins, who then we found out later on had a hand in selecting the Vikings new head coach and he wasn't going to leave. He, he opted into that to the next year, his deal. Derek Carr, but then they make the move for Devontae Adams. So now you know he's not available. Possible trades. Jordan Love name was floated around for the Colts to make a trade there. Then Baker Mayfield, there was possibility of, of Baker because he wanted the Colts after Cleveland gets Deshaun. That was it. That, that was in play. Could it be a veteran to placeholder for another year? Matt Ryan is a veteran and somewhat of a placeholder. He's going to be the quarterback there for at least two years. Beyond that is we still got to see. But as the dominoes started to fall, you wondered where would the Colts be in all this? What move could they make? And so for them to be able to flip Carson Wentz, not only for the draft capital, they moved up in the second round. They the team swapped seconds this year. So the Colts moved up five spots in the second round, along with getting two future thirds or a third this year, actually, and a third next year. I believe the third next year could become a second a second round pick, depending on how much Carson Wentz plays. But when they did that and got Washington to take on the full $28 million, which to me is the biggest key in all of this, the Colts carried no dead Carson Wentz money as they explored opportunities for another quarterback. And the reason that is so critical is because it gave them the flexibility to then make a move for a guy like Matt Ryan, who, oh, by the way, his cap number this year is $4 million less than Carson Wentz. And the Atlanta Falcons are still taking on some of that dead money. So that shows you how a competent general manager can really impact the shaping of a roster. Had the Colts not been able to move Carson Wentz, and got to give a great thank you to the Washington Commanders because the rumor was all combine. The Colts had no intention of bringing Carson Wentz back. They were either going to trade him or they were going to look to release him. They were willing to eat that money just to not have him back on the team next year. The Colts came into the offseason with about $50 million in cap space. Had they had to eat that $28 million or a large chunk of that, they can't make a Matt Ryan move. 
it's a, it becomes impossible now. They would have to restructure the rest of the roster and some other deals to, to even try to make it work. But the fact that you get Washington to take the full $28 million off of your bill allows you to go get Matt Ryan. And when you look at some of the other quarterbacks that have been moved, yeah, there's some bigger names. Obviously, Deshaun Watson is better than Matt Ryan. Russell Wilson is better than Matt Ryan. But look at what those teams had to give up to get those quarterbacks. The Broncos gave up two first, two seconds, Noah Fant, Drew Locke to get Russell Wilson. Sounds great on paper. I don't even know if the Broncos are the best team in that division. They might not even be the second best team in that division. So when you look at all the draft capital, along with the money they got to take back to possibly be a third place team, how can we really applaud that? They needed to upgrade at quarterback, but at what cost? Same thing with Cleveland. Deshaun Watson, the name on the roster looks great. Looks phenomenal. We got Deshaun Watson. We got one of the best young quarterbacks in the game. But when you look a little deeper into it, at the price tag that they have to give him fully guaranteed, $230 million, three first-round picks, the amount of roster construction they're going to have to do over the next three or four years to make it work, along with the fact that we don't even know if Deshaun Watson is going to play this year or at what point. I am a firm believer he will play this year. I think he's going to be suspended for half the season. I expect to see him in the second half of the season. I'm expecting a six to eight game suspension because there are no criminal charges being brought up. All this is civil. And there may be the opportunity where we don't really hear what the numbers are involved in this, what the settlements are. So I think he'll find a way to get on the field this year. I just don't expect it to be within the first two months of the season. Don't hold me to that. It's not a bold prediction. That's a semi-prediction. He'll he'll be on the field by week nine, I think. But, again, the amount of money, the amount of draft capital, and the uncertainty of when he hits the field. Now, again, think about these two teams I mentioned to you. Broncos, solid team, good young pieces. Broncos didn't win nine games last year. Broncos were a last place team in what could be known as the toughest division of football, which got a lot tougher this offseason with the moves that the Raiders made, with the moves that the Chargers made. We're going to get to the Chiefs in a second. They didn't win nine games last year. Is Russell Wilson really making them a 10-win team now? A team that last year, like I said, struggled, had some uh, uh, a little, little bit of uncertainty at different positions there. Defense, I, I still think they need a linebacker. They probably could use another corner. They got to figure out if they're moving on from Melvin Gordon at running back. Does he make them a 10-win team? I don't know. Does Deshaun Watson make the Browns a 10-win team? I don't know. And and I'm not going to say that Deshaun isn't better than Baker Mayfield, but we can't pretend that the whole Cleveland team didn't underachieve last year. It wasn't just Baker. The old line wasn't good last year. Receivers struggled. Are they better? Are they better than the Cincinnati Bengals who were just in the Super Bowl? Are they better than the Baltimore Ravens who are going to be healthy and are starting to retool? Are they better than Pittsburgh? I don't know. They might also be the third best team in their division. But for the Colts, the move they make without having to sacrifice anything else on their team, they're already looking like a team that's going to win 11 games, possibly win their division, and be in the mix in the AFC. Don't get it twisted. The AFC West is still the best division. The Buffalo Bills might be the best team in the AFC. The AFC North is super tough. It hasn't gotten any easier. The easiest path to the playoffs in the AFC is through the AFC South. 
And I think the Colts have the best team in the AFC South. Yeah, the Titans get back Derrick Henry next year. They already let go of Julio Jones. They picked up Austin Hooper, so they're going to probably go with some two tight end set. Derrick Henry should be back. But Ryan Tannehill ain't better than Matt Ryan. Colts defense was top 10 last year and number one in takeaways. Jonathan Taylor led the league in rushing. That old line is easily top two or top three in the NFL, if not number one, but it's definitely in the top three discussion. The Colts are in prime position, I think, to not only run away with this division, but position themselves to be a real player in the AFC. While everyone out West is battling and trying to figure it out, while the North is battling and trying to figure it out, while the East is going to be competitive because Patriots were just in the playoffs, Buffalo's good, Miami's gotten a lot better with the move they made today, the Colts might have the easiest path to not only winning their division, but being a sneaky contender in the AFC. I love it. And that's why I think Matt Ryan might have been the best quarterback acquisition. Not the best quarterback. He wasn't the best quarterback move this offseason. But in terms of landing spot and roster construction, what he's walking into, what room he's walking into, that might be the best one. We'll leave that at that, though. Let's get into the big news from today. The one that really came out of nowhere. We didn't even hear about this move. This wasn't one of them situations that was building. This wasn't one of them situations that a rumor started a week ago and now it ends officially today. This really came out of nowhere. And and I got to say this too. The NFL, at maybe I don't want to sound, you know, a prisoner of the moment, but the NFL this might not this might be one of the wildest free agency and offseason periods but the nfl now has officially turned into a franchise on madden football the amount of star players moving we've seen moves in the past we've seen draft pick swap we've seen you know complimentary guys moved or, or cut but the amount of pro bowl and all pro talent that has moved around this offseason and the way that it has shifted the power in certain areas of the league. We're talking Devontae Adams to the Raiders right after Russell Wilson went to the Broncos. Chandler Jones going to the Raiders. Like, you, you look at Kansas City today, their move, how that shifts things now. The AFC East looked like it was, was going to be pretty easy for Buffalo. They only had to worry about New England. Now you throw Tyreek Hill with the Miami Dolphins. A young team who spent a lot of money on that offense. Can they take the next step now? It's been a lot of movement, man. Vaughn Miller and Buffalo. The AFC, obviously we talked about Matt Ryan. The AFC is super stacked. We still don't know where Odell's going to land. There are a couple other free agents that, that have yet to pick their destination. Randy Gregory going to the Broncos. Like, all these different moves that we're watching. The NFL has officially become a Madden franchise league. I love it, though. I'm not complaining. But Tyreek Hill, this one came out of nowhere. Um, all the talk, all the assumption was that he was going to get a new deal with the Chiefs. I wonder how much of this move or how much of his mindset may have changed once he saw the Devontae Adams numbers. Um, I know he wants to be paid as the highest paid receiver. The early indications are that the Chiefs were willing to make him the highest paid receiver, and he turned it down. Now... Could it be he just needed to change the scenery? Could it be he just felt like our run here is done? And I think one thing that's very unique about Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams is 
When you look at just in a four-year window, a vacuum of the last four years, the amount of success that the Packers had, granted not getting to a Super Bowl or winning one, but two AFC Championship games, multiple playoff games, winning the division, being a, a Super Bowl contender for the last four years. And then you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, two Super Bowl appearances, four AFC Championship appearances, obviously one Super Bowl. You wonder if those players looked at it and said, this is coming to an end soon. Because those types of runs are unheard of to go beyond four years. Four years has historically been the number. We saw it with the 49ers of the 80s. We saw it with the Cowboys of the 90s. We saw it with the Buffalo Bills of the early 90s. We saw it in stints with, with the Patriots. Remember when the Patriots won three Super Bowls in four years, it took them another 10 years just to get back again. So it's not, you know, unknown or out of the realm of possibility that you kind of fall off a little bit and then have to retool through several seasons before you can get back to that point. And I wonder how much of that played a factor in Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams looking at their teams and saying, this isn't going to get much better than what it is right now. Kansas City has different issues than Green Bay, but they both have one very similar issue. The quarterback eats up a large chunk of their cap space. And when a quarterback eats up so much of your cap, you ain't going to have much opportunity for everybody else to get their money. And you're not going to have much opportunity for everybody else or, or for you to spread the wealth amongst everyone else. The Chiefs were already planning on letting Tyron Matthew walk. They went with a cheaper alternative with Eric Reed from the Texans. So now Tyreek is moving on for five draft picks, which is crazy, 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 crazy. But he's moving on. And the reason I brought up Devontae Adams is we heard the story out of Green Bay that they were willing to make him the highest paid receiver. He said, I still want out. Then we hear the story of Tyreek Hill being traded, but that he was also offered to potentially be the highest paid receiver. He, st- he said he still wanted out. If both those stories are true, could we have possibly seen a Devontae Adams for Tyreek Hill trade? Would it have been possible if, let's say, last week, the news broke that Tyreek wanted out. Could Green Bay have flipped Devontae Adams for Tyreek Hill? I just wonder. Now, there are other little issues with this story. It's possible that Tyreek Hill may have had a little influence on where he wanted to go. The rumors earlier today were that the leading two candidates were the Dolphins and the Jets. And he expressed to Kansas City that he preferred to go to Miami. But if Miami wasn't on the board... Or if they had come to him and say, hey, we have a deal in place. You can go to Green Bay to play with Aaron Rodgers. I wonder if that would have intrigued them as well. Who knows? Ultimately, let's get into the Miami Dolphins, though, because this is where I think it's really crazy. The Miami Dolphins. They are all in on tour. Tagovailoa. And one of the things I speculated when Brian Flores lost his job was that Brian Flores did not want tour. Brian Flores did not want to move forward with tour. I was of the belief that Brian Flores wanted Deshaun Watson or an upgrade at the very least at quarterback. Ownership did not agree with him. Ownership did not want to go that route and therefore ownership moved on from him. Now, there were conflicting reports. Some people said, no, that wasn't the case. But looking at the way Miami has approached this offseason, I feel even stronger about that opinion. Miami has thrown a lot of money at this offense. Running back Chase Edmonds, Raheem Moster, another running back they brought in. They have gone all in. They signed uh, Teron Armstead today, the left tackle, Pro Bowl left tackle. They have gone all in with protecting and the weapons around Tua. Now, I'm not saying that they couldn't have upgraded the quarterback position aside from Deshaun Watson. Maybe, maybe, maybe it could have been Russell Wilson. 
Maybe it could have been someone else. But it seems to me that the amount of draft capital and money that they've thrown at the other pieces they could have thrown at the quarterback position if they truly wanted to keep Brian Flores and move on from Tua. They did not do it. They went the other direction. That's why I firmly believe Brian Flores lost his job. Nothing else. I don't want to hear about disagreements with front office. That happens with every coach. Every coach, we could dig up the, the dirt and the files and find moments where him and the front office didn't get along. It, that's commonplace in every sport. Brian Flores lost that job because Brian Flores was ready to move on from Tua. And the organization did not. Stephen Ross did not want to move on from Tua. So now Tua has all the toys, though. You got a great young receiver in Jalen Waddell. You bring in Tyreek Hill now. You had Mike Gusecki, a good tight end. You bring in those running backs. You upgrade the left tackle position. It's all on Tua now. It is all on Tua. And if you're Tua Tagovailoa, this better be the best training camp you've ever had in your life. Because the other two guys who went, who, who were in the draft with you, one that went in front of you, one that went behind you, they're already on the trajectory to being superstars in this league. All right. Joe Burrow was just in the Super Bowl, had a chance to win that Super Bowl with a terrible offensive line. Still almost won a Super Bowl. Still almost took the Cincinnati Bengals to a place that they've never been in their history. He was right there on the cusp of that. Jay Herbo, Justin Herbert is a superstar. We are having legitimate debates on whether he is better than Patrick Mahomes right now. Skill wise, not not resume skill wise. We're having those type of conversations right now. He has gotten more help in Los Angeles. So to attack of Aloha, this is on you now. You have the fastest. They, I don't even know how to keep track of this, but they've documented that this is the fastest wide receiver combination that the league has ever seen with Waddell and with Tyreek Hill. The pressure's on a new coach, but all the pressure to me is really on Tua because if it does not work with Tua, they will be back in the market next offseason trying to figure it out. In terms of winners and losers on this trade, I'm going to say I give the slight advantage to Miami because they have gotten the sure thing in Tyreek Hill. You know what you have with them. All you got to do is get him the ball. I, I don't think there's any question about what Tyreek Hill can do as a number one receiver because we've seen it for the last few years in Kansas City. I don't think there's any question about his versatility, whether out of the slot, on the outside, out of the backfield, all those different things that Mike McDaniels going to do in uh, that Mike McDaniels did with Debo Samuels, he's going to do with Tyreek Hill. So Tyreek's going to get his opportunities. It's really going to be about can Tua get him the ball? Can Tua do 70% of the things that Patrick Mahomes did to get him the ball? Because there were plenty of times that Patrick Mahomes had to make defenders miss and buy himself more time so that Tyreek Hill got open. Can Tua do those same things? Can Tua not turn the ball over and allow this offense to get in the rhythm so that both his receivers can eat? Because I just... I. I'm interested to see how teams are going to try to defend the Miami Dolphins with all that speed that they're going to be able to put on the field. It's going to be very interesting. And it's going to look like a track meet a lot of times. So that's something else I'm going to pay attention to. But this is on tour. you got to take the next step. In terms of winners and losers, like I said, Miami, I give a slight advantage to because they got the definitive um, product. They have that that ultimate known. They, they're not going into this with the unknown. The Chiefs on the other side, it is the unknown. Now, the Chiefs obviously know their roster better than anyone. They may view it and feel like the addition of Juju with Travis Kelsey, Nicole Hardman. Um, there's rumors that uh, Marquise Valdez-Scantling is, is going to be going there now as he had a meeting with them today. 
they may feel that's enough. They've got $20 million in cap space. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to move up in the trade in the draft and uh, through trade and draft a, a young speedy receiver who can do some of the things that Tyreek Hill does. But that's easier said than done. Tyreek Hill was, was a finished product. You knew what you had with him. At 28 years old, you don't expect him to start to tail off anytime soon. That speed is still going to be that speed. Probably through the duration of this contract, Miami, barring any injury. Uh, for the Chiefs as well, it's a slight loss because as the rest of your division got stronger, you just took the biggest hit. No one else in the division has had to endure this type of loss to their roster. Everyone else got better. Denver, we talked about the quarterback position and at DN got better. The Raiders got better on the D-line at wide receiver. They still got to figure out some things on their O-line. But again, no step backs, only step forwards. Vegas, I think, to me, Vegas might have been the biggest winner of the offseason. They did some tremendous things. Everyone else got better. And the fastest guy in the NFL is no longer on your team. So if you're Kansas City, you're going to have to address that need pretty quickly. Patrick Mahomes, this is the downside, bro. When you, when you get paid $400 million, everyone on your team ain't going to be happy and everyone else can't get paid the way they want to get paid. And sometimes it causes friction and your front office got to figure it out. And for a team that already had a bad defense, now you're losing your best offensive weapon. It's going to be tough. But you're Patrick Mahomes. You got to figure it out. Should be fun, man. Don't forget, again, follow me across all social media platforms. This Friday, Will Gordon and I will be going live on Facebook. So check me out over there on Facebook. Again, Legend of Two Games, 8 p.m. this Friday. We're going to get into some more NFL. I'm sure we're going to talk about Tyreek Hill. And we'll talk about whatever's going on in NBA. We open up the platform for questions as well as we are live. So if you tune in, send in a question, show some love, show some support, man. We appreciate it. With that being said, this is The Sanchez Show. Until next time.